and I appreciate what he said in the prayer uh, beginning about just being grateful and thanking God, and we should always be mindful of God's blessings to us. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, if you would please, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Caleb, thank you, Caleb, thank you for letting me borrow that, bud, appreciate that. If you would stand uh, to honor God's word as we read it, Ecclesiastes 5. We'll begin reading in verse 10. We'll read three verses. And it's been a few weeks, but I'm going back to this idea of being renewed in the weariness. And so, how many of you are still tired? Yeah. Guess what? I'm going to be a prophet. Probably going to be tired on Sunday. (laughs) On Wednesday. Probably going to be tired tomorrow. Yep. I bet you go home tonight and you're tired. <laughs> Wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, I could, I could sleep a little more, except you can't. All right, so Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 through 12. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Please take note of the, the language. It doesn't say he that hath it. He that has it, says he that loves it. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. You got to remember who's writing this. Probably the richest man that ever lived. Possibly. This is also vanity. When goods increase... (laughs) This is pretty funny. They are increased that eat them. (laughs) Hey, what you got for me? (laughs) And what good is there to the owners thereof? Saving the beholding of them with their eyes. I think of the IRS right here. hear about people making a lot of money, and then they talk about how much money goes out. Okay, y'all don't know anything about that, whatever. And then verse 12, which is where our focus is, there's a, there's a contrasting, there's two contrasting characters here. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. The title is this, The Rest from the Right Labor. Rest from the Right Labor. God I want to be an encouragement. I desire to be a help. And, and Lord, I need your help in communi- communicating this. And, and, and actually, what I should say, God, is what we need. What we need is your help. And so, Father, there's nothing in me that will be helpful apart from you. And so I pray that you take your word and by the work of your spirit and the unity and communion of fellowship with your people in Christ, And as we hear that you would minister to us and you'd help your people, just, God, this is a chance to look in the mirror and to take stock of why in our life. And so, Lord, help us to understand the significance of it and to be be helped by it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. It is possible, as you know, to have a lot and to not be satisfied, but to have a little bit. 
and to be satisfied. Those two things do exist very much in the world. And one of my favorite images of it, because I have children, because we, we have a lot of children here, and because I just like how many lessons we can learn from observing children. Have you, have you ever been to a parade where they're throwing out candy or, or like some kind of Easter egg thing, and I know not, that's not everybody's jam, but just where you get candy, and, and kids have access to candy, and, and I have this image, man, you have, the, you have some kids, they're, they're like a bowling ball, just knocking everybody out of the way in order to get as much candy as they, as they can, and it doesn't matter how full their bucket, or their sock, or their hat, or their pockets, or their t-shirts, how full it is. They just want more, man. They're just knocking people out of the way. And you know how it is at the end of that. They, I mean, just candy is falling out of them. And there's that one piece left. And they see somebody coming for it. They see it, okay, like you got a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. And you got the seven-year-old just overloaded. We'll name him Jaron. And then you have a... You have, a, you have a two-year-old, and I mean, you just attach whatever name you want to that. He's like, boom, boom, candy spilling out everywhere. And the two-year-old gets the first. And then this kid that, that we have only, hypothetically, not for any observable, real purpose, just hypothetically imagined his name being Jaron, he misses out on that one piece, and he's just, ah! you know what I'm talking about. And then that little toddler is there just happy as can be. Just no, you know what I'm talking about. One sucker. Just mm, this is this is so good. The idea is it's possible to have a lot and not be satisfied, but it's possible to have a little and to be very satisfied. We don't want to take it beyond that to dealing with work. It's possible to work hard for the wrong thing. It, rest is, and what we're going to learn tonight, I hope, by the help of God, rest is not only a product. Of working hard. Now look, working hard is a good thing. And, and there is a virtue in having a good work ethic. But there are men and women who have lived very unsatisfied lives with a very good work ethic. Now I need you to think about that, man. There's a whole lot of people that have been very successful. And obviously sometimes people can just be successful because of advantageous circumstances. But we, you need to understand that a lot of times when you see success, it's because there has been hard work invested in it. There has been labor. There have been long hours. There has been less sleep. There has been inconvenience. There has been discipline. There has been restraint. There has been saying no to this so that I can say yes to the grind. But you can work very, very hard and still not be satisfied. What we have to understand as children of God is that rest is not just a product of working hard, but it's a product of working hard for the right reason. Because working hard, doing the right thing, but not working hard for the right reason, will produce, as Solomon teaches us with his life, will produce a lack of rest. Now remember this about the book of Ecclesiastes. It was Solomon's journey under the sun. You go back to chapter one, and he he basically says this, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I, I set out to see what life was like under the sun. And the idea is, take the phrase under the sun and you replace the phrase under God. Solomon, is in, he went through a season of his life where he intentionally chose 
to remove himself out from under the truth of God and to live life pursuing the things that he deemed would make him happy. You can read about te- in text how he gathered. He gathered, he gathered silver as, as though it was stones and gold beyond counting. And just there was so much that was amassed by him. And then because of how rich he was, people brought him more gifts because they were just amazed at this. He accumulated to himself pleasure. He accumulated to himself uh, 300 wives and 700 concubines. He accumulated to himself, the te- Ecclesiastes tells us, all sorts of other kind of gratifications and all sorts of knowledges, laughter and developing understandings and skills. He worked very hard at living life to get the most that he could. And yet this is how he described it. Life without God. Life without working hard for the right reason. Vanity, vanity. All is vanity. The richest man in the world with access to every single desire, with knowledge of so many designs, and yet his life was empty. He labored, and yet he was empty. You got to remember that God created us with the opportunity to have, to enjoy, and to utilize. Say it again. God created us with the opportunity to have, to enjoy, and to utilize. Started back in the garden. Of every tree thou mayest. Every tree thou mayest. Every, James says this, every good gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The, our ability to enjoy life is not, is not just some kind of connection, or it's not at all some kind of connection to just some kind of instinct. It is the desire of God. It's how good God is that he created us with the capacity and the opportunity to have and to enjoy things. He created us with that opportunity. He created us with that ability. Okay, so I, I, I think about this. Many of you ever seen a dog stick his head out the window while the car is driving? Just I've watched kids do that. Okay. Have you ever done that driving? I mean, you sit out on a country road and you got some corn and you got the mint growing. Man, you just may see the mountains and there's no traffic around, and you just roll down the window and turn up Amazing Grace, <laughs> whatever it is. Never mind. And you're just like, yeah. It's fun. Just enjoy it. Men and boys camp out. Great. In the words of David Hetzer, it's great. It's great couple of you man it was fantastic it was great man you get up you get up in the at night and see the stars get up in the morning and see the mountains I mean you just you go by the fire enjoy the crackle of it man there's something amazing about a fire in the mountains sit there and drink way too much coffee before 10 o'clock and after 10 o'clock and then wonder why you can't sleep 
It may have had more to do with the ground you were on than the coffee that was in you, but whatever. It's like, this is amazing. You take the boys down to a creek and you find a huge rock that you can jump off of. And I'm maybe giving more information than I should. Man, you have to, you have to wade across and it gets kind of deep and that water's, that, those waters are not warm ocean waters. There's snow melt in those waters. And then here comes Paul Essek. You're like, oh, he's going to come hang out on this side. And then you see Paul Essek up on the rock with you. And I don't know if y'all know what a can opener is, but it's a pretty spectacular move when Paul Essek does it off the top of a rock, man. It's amazing. You ever go into a boot store? I told you all about this a few weeks ago. I was in a boot store not too long ago. Just because, one, I love the idea of me being a cowboy. I think it'd be cool. I never will be. I do know how to saddle a horse, ride a horse, lead a horse. I can handle cattle. I've worked with livestock. I'm not afraid of that stuff. But I am not a cowboy. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not. I mean, I just, it'd be amazing to have a Stetson and one of those big old trench coats come riding in from the range, see my little wife with a pie waiting on the range. Oh, man, it'd be awesome. <laughs> It's having a good time, right? Y'all are like, what are you talking about? I'm just, man, man, I just love it. You say you get that from going in a boot store 100%. I breathe it in, and I'm just like out in the wild. Like, man, a walk out of a Louis L'Amour novel or something, man. It's fantastic. You ever, get, you ever go into a sporting goods store and, just, or, and, and you, just, you just hold a gun? Okay, that's fine. You in a dress store? I mean, Rachel, come on, use your imagination. Connect the dots, hallelujah. It's like, man, a, a, new, a new pair of tennis shoes, man, just clean, tight, just smell them. You ever had a car that was new or new to you, and you just smelled it? And, like, I, I get in that, and I'm like, I automatically have a bad attitude about my kids because I know it's not going to last long. And I'm just like, you just open the door and lay on the seats. You enjoy it. And I, I don't, I'm not a fan of Butterfinger candy bars, but I'm a fan of chopped up, smashed up Butterfingers blended with vanilla ice cream. It's called the Blizzard at Dairy Queen. In a different language, it's called the Blast at Sonic. And I speak both languages fluently. None of this is in my notes at all. See, what do you think, man? I, I saw a picture of Andy and saw Gina watching her husband hold their son. Mm. It's amazing. Is you ever had a really good steak? Like, how do you go from that to steak? Have you ever enjoyed your child and had a steak? You go to Freddy's. I mean, if in and out's your thing, that's fine. I'm not going to make fun of anything tonight. I'm just. You see all these things. Man, you ever, Brother Mark, you ever watched your son catch a fish? Yeah, you have. Walk around like, my boy caught the biggest fish. 
we got like a hundred dudes here, and this little guy outfished all of you. That's my boy. Taught him right. <laughs> Brother Mark's a really good fisherman. Yeah, he is, real life. Hey, just you say, what are you talking about? Chris Lampkin's suit on Sunday. Bro, I'm serious. I didn't talk about it during the service because I was going to get too distracted. He is doing an amazing job with the cart. It's a huge blessing that's going to be expanded soon um, uh, to more services. But man, just that suit, I just enjoyed it. I like looking at a dude who's clean. And it doesn't have to be a suit. Man, it can be boots. It can be a nice shirt. I just like it. Man, Cassidy tonight, I walk in and I'm like, man, that's, that is Skittles on that shirt. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just want to swim in that. That's like Joseph, the coat of many colors or something. Like, did you kill him and take his coat? I mean, it's all it's just amazing. Say, what are you talking about? I'm trying to get you to think. We have the capacity to enjoy so much. It's a, and it's amazing. But there's a danger. Is that we can work just to have more. but miss out on enjoying any of it. In the beginning, he talked, verse number 10 of what we read, you, you live just to have more money or apply that to just more stuff, you're never going to be happy. If the goal is always more, you're never going to be happy because there's always going to be more to have. You can never have so much that you have it all. And if your satisfaction is dependent on another figure or another room or another vehicle or another whatever, fill in the blank, you're never going to be satisfied because once you get that, you're going to realize there's something else you don't have. There's something else you can't attain. There's something else that someone else has that you don't. And then in verse number 11, we talked about this, you get more, but then the more you get, the more people want from you. And we live in a world where the more that you accumulate sometimes, and I'm thankful that, that this is the exceptional, it should be the exception among the people of God. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause right here. I'll come back to this. Solomon makes the statement in, in Ecclesiastes, I found one good man among a hundred, but one good woman among a thousand have I not found. And it's interesting to me that he uses the number 1,000. Here's what, here's what that verse means. It does not mean that the ratio of good women was one to a thousand. That's not what it means. That wasn't a reflection of womanhood. That was a reflection of the kind of women that Solomon associated himself with. Okay, now when you associate yourself with the right kind of people, those ratios, hallelujah, they get a lot better. And so this, when it comes to riches, you understand that in the world, man, people who have a lot, they have a lot of people that attach themselves to them, not because they genuinely care about the person. And by the way, rich people need to be cared about too. Rich people need to be loved too. Rich people need to be prayed for too. Rich people need to be saved too. Rich people need to be invested in too. And yet we just have this idea about that that is so contrary to the eternal truth of God. And yet it can be so. Solomon knew this. 
you're only interested in me because of what it is that you can get from me. And it produces emptiness. It produces emptiness in verse number 10 because no matter how much you have, there's always going to be something that you don't have. And it produces emptiness in verse number 11 because you never really know if someone loves you because they love you or they love you because of what they can get from you. So that leads us to the point in verse number 12. A contrast between he who labors for more versus he who labors for a different reason. There are those, I'm going I'm to start at the end of verse number 12. The abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There are li- those who labor, there are lo- those who work very hard, but they do it in order to make the most. And and we don't need to spend long here. The implication of being rich is that someone has acquired, therefore, there has been some kind of effort. And, And even those who have been born into wealth, if that wealth is going to continue and sustain and grow, it's going to be because they put labor into it and they're going to invest. And so someone has worked very hard for the purpose of being rich. And yet, for these reasons that we've already mentioned, they have no rest. The increase of his riches will not, the text says, will not suffer him to sleep. Remember that Solomon knew what he was talking about. He, he lived a life of endless riches, and yet they brought him no peace. You never have enough. You're worried about keeping what you have, and you're fretting because there are others that have something that you want, something that you don't have. And so when you work simply to have the most, you are not going to live a life of being renewed, a life of being rested, a life of being satisfied. When you labor simply to have the most, you're going to live a very weary, unsatisfied life. You know what the truth is? You may end up having the most compared to a lot of people. Still won't be satisfied. But there's another reason for which we can labor. Notice that it says at the beginning of verse number 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Now, I love this part, and it's very subtle, But it leaves the door open that he could either have a lot or a little. It doesn't say which category on the social spectrum he fits into. It says whether he eat little or much. So this could be a man who is laboring and he has a lot. It could be a man who is laboring and he has a little. But there is a point here. When you contrast it and understand it in the context of verse number 10, when it says the priority there is to is simply to have the most. He that loveth silver, he that loveth abundance, when goods increase. There is something different, not, not about this man's work ethic, because there, there are similarities in the work ethics of those who just want to have the most and what's driving this man, but it's something about why he is working That is allowing him to have rest, allowing him to be renewed, allowing him to live a life that is satisfied. He could be a man that sometimes he eats Raymond noodles, or sometimes he eats Freddy's, or sometimes he gets to eat the fancy dinners. The text doesn't just say, it just says whether he eat 
a little or whether he eat a lot, there is something about his labor that allows him to rest. This is my belief of what the difference is. The point for him is not working to have the most. The point for him is working to make the most of what he has. His value isn't defined by how much he has, but by doing the most, by doing the right things with the life that God has given him to live. And he's able to rest with the results of his labor because he knows that he's doing it his best and he is keeping his priorities in the right place. He understands that his neighbor might have a larger field, but he wants to have balance in his family. He understands that he, he may not get to be known as the one with the most of that thing, but he wants to live a life that he, when he dies, he's not going to look back and regret and say, I wish I had done more for God with the things that I had instead of just always trying to have more things. He's able to rest because he's not laboring to have the most. He is laboring to make the most of his life. And he trusts that God in his wisdom knows whether he needs to have a little or he needs to have a lot. And he has learned to be content with however God chooses to reward his labor. And the result is, he is able to be renewed. The idea is this, that a life to make the most will never be satisfied. It won't be restful. But a life to make the most of, you will have refreshing. You will have satisfaction. It doesn't mean you'll never be tired. It just means that you're going to be able to be refreshed. You realize that there are some people who can go to sleep and never be refreshed. They go to sleep anxious and they wake up anxious because they are consumed with wanting the most. And look, even God's people, we lie to ourselves. If I just have that, I'll be happy. Have you ever thought that about anything? If I can just take another step up. No, I have. I have to ask God to forgive me. I, I have. No, if I can just have that. No, the truth is, if you can't be happy, not, not, in, not that things wouldn't make it easier or better, and not even that God doesn't want to give it to you, but if your attitude is, I can't be satisfied with God here, I'm telling you, my friend, you're not going to be satisfied with God here. It's not. It's true. So what, is it, what does it look like the most of rather than to have the most? Well, with your job. Is the goal simply to make the most money or to make the most of the job that God has given you in a way that will be eternally useful? Okay, part of the reason for working is to have what? Money, money. But look, if having money is the chief objective that drives you to go to work, you're missing the higher point. You say, well, what is it? Well, number one, it's to obey God. Now, there, listen, it is good for people to work. 
work is a gift from God. And this is why I believe it's good for young people at times to learn how to work just for the sake of working. Because there is a benefit that comes with work. And if you are, if you are driven not, not primarily by, I'm, I'm going to have more money, but I'm, I'm going to work because I know this is how I obey God. And working hard is something that glorifies him. Whether it's a job that I make a lot of money at or it's a job, man, we got so many, we got so many moms who work so hard to guide their home and to take care of their children. And you understand that that whole ranch little wife thing was just a stinking joke because women who lived on ranches worked as hard as the men who worked on, lived on ranches. And, and so it's not, about, it's not about the pay scale. It's understanding that God commands us to work. And there is value in it. Number two, when I work hard and God blesses that, that gives me the opportunity to take care of my family. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that have lost sight of what it means to provide for their family versus just making as much money as they can. Because when you provide for your family, it doesn't always lead you to make as much money as you can. Because sometimes your family needs something than dollars and cents. No, I'm not saying it's wrong to maximize your earning potential, but it is not the healthiest way to live to make maximizing your earning potential your highest priority. Because your relationships in other places, and those children, they matter more. They do. And there's a way to maximize without compromising them. Absolutely. God wants you to work hard so that he can use you to be a blessing to others. Is that in the Bible? It actually is. It actually says this. You need to stop stealing and work hard so that you're going to have that with which you can be a blessing to others and give. That's a paraphrase, but you can look it up. I did not make that up. Did not find that in a fortune cookie. It's in the Bible. We can do this with ministry. I want to have the most prestigious, prestigious position. Or you wouldn't even say, I want to have the most, but you say, I want that position. You know what I'm talking about? Or you can say, I want to make the most of whatever position God would allow me to have. And I, man, I, I want to be useful to God, but wanting to be useful to God surrenders to him whatever position I'm in and then it says, God, wherever you have me, I'm going to make the most of that. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you because I, I, I read after these things and I, and I want so desperately to be guarded from these kind of things. There, there are pastors that, that can unintentionally, I believe sometimes, they, their priority becomes being the most of something rather than just making the most of the opportunity to be a pastor. Man, I'm just, I'm just sharing with you and being honest about what's going through my brain. I'm sitting here while Brother Feovai is praying, and I'm, and I'm just so overwhelmed and grateful that God lets me be your pastor and lets me be a part of this. This is his work. He can take me out whenever he wants to. I don't know why he chose me. I don't know why my life gets to intersect with your life. I don't know why. I don't understand all that, but I am so thankful for it. And yet there are pastors, and pride can creep in where you start trying to think of, I want, I want the most, rather than saying, I want to make the most of. No, no, if I could, if I could have my own class, then. No, 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 no. Make the most without having your own class. 
No, if I had that title or I had that position or that was given to me, then no, 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 no. Just make the most of where you are. Man, okay, I'm, I'm just, I feel like bragging on him tonight. I thank God this happens in so many places. I thank God that it does. And this is more of a maintenance message to help us. And if, and if you are guilty of something, then be humble before the Lord. I thank God for Brother Chris. Man, man, driving the, it's called, it's called the West Valley Wagon, in case you didn't know. I feel like if we get the right time, get the right sign, man, it's going to be up there. West Valley Wagon. Get some, get some 1970s internal station wagon wood. You know what I'm talking about? And just m- maybe hang that in there and maybe just get a little, get a little uh, of that soft, cushy, I don't know, fluffy couch material that's in like old Cadillacs or something. I know what I'm thinking. I just can't say it. Man, it's the West Valley. It's the West Valley wagon. You say, man, I'm just, I'm just out here driving. Or you can say, man, I get to help people get closer, get to the church without having to walk all the way. And that's making room for more people to be here and more people to have a better place to park. I'm just going to make the most of. All I do is... All I do is just hand out a bulletin or I help once in a while. All I do is just work in the nursery or all I do is get to be a helper in that class. Or you can say, I get to be a helper in a class where I get to be invested in someone who studied a lesson and who is teaching a lesson. And while they're teaching the lesson, I get to help boys and girls pay attention and be invested. All I get to do is be in the sound system or I get to take a sound system and I get to help make it sound. And with our pastor, it's kind of hard, but I get to make it sound as good as it possibly can so that people can hear it and they do hear it in other places and they can be helped by the truth of God man I just you can look at it as I want the most or I'm gonna make the most of and when you go home knowing that you've made the most of it helps you have a whole lot better rest with relationships how does this apply to relationships I want Everyone to like me, like they like them. Or, or, I want to work at being the best kind of friend that I can be to whoever God allows me to be it to. Hey, young people, don't live your life getting jealous, comparing who's a friend to who. Why don't you, every time you come to church, you ought to be looking to try to be a friend to somebody. I'm going to park it right here for a minute. Man, God's, God is going to give you opportunities to minister to young ladies and to young men that come from very challenging situations. And when they come in, you need to figure out how to not look at them like they're weirdos because they, they obviously have some kind of different background or different story. You need to be looking at them saying, how can I go be a friend to them? And it gets so petty sometimes among teenagers because you're concerned about having the most or being the most or why they like them or I don't get to do that instead of making the most of who you are to love people. And you know why teenagers can't even get petty about it? Because the people they watch can get petty about it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to drive this home by a moment of transparency. Is that a pastor's meeting? 
and I just, I got, I just, I got convicted. Did you know in any, in any large circle, there are always guys that everybody wants to talk to? And, 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 and for, I, I think for good reasons, there, there, are, there are men that have been my mentors that everybody wants to talk to and I want to talk to them. And sometimes you can start feeling sorry for yourself because it feels like you don't get the same amount of time that somebody else gets. But then it hit me. And, it, and this, was, this was about a year and a half ago. And Andrea can tell you, we talked about it. God convicted me. I go to these things. Like, I want to talk, I, I want to be able to talk to them, and I want to be able to talk to them, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it's like God said, why don't you go there looking for a younger pastor, because you're not the youngest anymore. No, there's a lot of guys still older than you, but you're not the youngest anymore. And there's some young guys in their 20s that are going through some discouraging things, and they need somebody that's been through some things to come alongside them and just encourage them. Instead of looking to have the most of whatever it is that you think you want or need, why don't you go to these things looking to not just be blessed yourself, but making the most. First time I thought that, God introduced to us to a couple, a young couple, pastoring a very small church in North Carolina, and they, they didn't know anybody, and they're sitting by themselves, got three kids, and they're just, and one of the babies is just kind of being fussy. And you know me, I just walk up to people, and I'm like, hey, I'm the baby whisperer, here you go. And I just start walking around with their kid, we have dinner with them, we're able to be a blessing with, with them, and then find out some needs, and later our church is able to be a blessing to them. You can live your life saying, why don't I have the most, or you can just say, I want to make the most of. Apply that to our building. No, it's okay to pray for it. It's okay to work for it in the right way. As long as the purpose is not to have the most. As long as the purpose is to make the most of the opportunity God has given. But if we're not doing it with this, and we're not doing it with a good attitude, then don't think that a bigger or better is going to help anybody's attitude. Because we'll find something else to be sour about. We'll find something else to complain about. We'll find something else to not like. Can I give you one more thing? How long you get to live. I was praying with Miss Carol today. talking to someone today about Heidi that many of you know. And when I was praying for Carol, praying with Carol, I was thinking about Sonia. And then I started thinking about Rod Stevens. And I started thinking about Dale. Started thinking about Pastor Cook. And it just starts coming. Now, I don't think this is wrong, and I, I know you won't mind, bro, but Miss Sonia did not get to live here as long as you wanted, or as long as she wanted, or as long as we asked God to let her live. I don't know what the end of Miss Carol's story in this life looks like, because I believe in a God that heals when I'm praying for his people, I'm asking for God to heal them. Because he can. No, I believe he can. But he doesn't always choose to. I don't have the answer 
or why? I hurt when the answer is no. I hurt for those that are left behind when the answer is no. But here's what I do know. What I've said to people as they faced death or very, very difficult circumstances, there's a lot you can't control, but what you do control is this. You don't control how much, but you do control what you do with it. So you can just be bitter about not having the most. Or you can do like our sister did. Make the most of. I know you didn't get to see it, but man, where people are really comes out when you face things like that. And it's not that there wasn't struggle. But man, she made the most of her life. And people are helped by it. And they will be helped by it. Look at, listen to the letter about Rachel Looper. I don't know why. I, I have no idea why. And my heart, heart hurts for her. Make, you're not going to have the most. Man, I came here to be a help, and now I'm being helped. Yeah, I don't understand that. But make the most of. So tonight, if you are lacking satisfaction in your life, I'm going to throw one more thing out there. It's possible you wish some things had gone differently in a situation with someone else that hurt you. Or it's possible you're still living under a shadow of something you wish you had done far different. And either bitterness or regret. And you're like, I just want the most. I, I, I want that to be different. But it can't be. So you know what you can do? You can make the most of. Say how? Forgive or accept the fact that God has forgiven you. And start figuring out how to move forward in humility and let God bring reconciliation and hope and purpose to your life, man. I'm going to be tired most of my life, but I don't want to be unsatisfied. When I have rest, I want it to be sweet. And whether it's four hours or 10 hours. I want it to be sweet. And the only part of the solution for that, part of the equation, is not to labor for the most, but labor to make the most of for his purpose. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say, as Alex begins to softly play, that would say, there are areas where my focus is is more on the most and not enough on the most of. I just got areas where I'm, I'm more concerned about the most and I need to have balance. It's not that we don't work. It's not that we don't strive for success. It's not that we don't labor to do the best that we can for our families and for ourselves and for the purpose of God. But it is understanding there is a balance and a difference between having the most and making the most of. So every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, there are areas where I'm more concerned about having the most in any area than I am making the most of. And I need God to get, help me have some balance. Would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Yeah, I see you. It's all over. God bless you. 
Well, let's respond to the Lord. Stand, Brother Nate, start singing, please. If God has spoken your heart, some have already come to pray. You talk to the Lord.